0: Well, as David mentioned earlier, this is Reba and Jesse Lothar's last Sunday with us before they head out to Japan, and uh, we really do want to encourage you. It's a potluck today, but even if you didn't bring anything, come next door. We brought extra. We'll eat. We'll hear about their mission to Japan. Jesse and Reba picked all the music today, and we're instrumental in that, so let's give them a round of applause for that. They did a great job. Uh, You probably saw Jesse's brother on the drums with us today, so thank you for coming and playing with us. And in honor of Reba and Jesse's last Sunday for the foreseeable future, I wore my most colorful shirt. (laughs) It is blue, so, well, we, we can't wait to hear about your mission and and. So many of you, we want to really do thank you for uh, giving and generously supporting them, financially supporting them in your prayers. Uh, We are truly partnering with you as you head off to the Far East, and uh, that is not something that we just say. We are truly gospel partners with you, and we're so excited about what God is going to do in your lives and what God is going to do in the lives of the students and the people in Japan through your ministry. So... Just a great day, a great day. Well, let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word from John 17. We are continuing on in a sermon series on prayer. We have been looking at some of the great prayers of Scripture. We've learned to pray alongside of Abraham and Moses and Hannah and Daniel, and for the last Uh, four weeks this is week number five we've been learning to pray with Jesus first by looking at the Lord's Prayer and now we're doing a a second of a three-part series on the high priestly prayer a prayer that Jesus prayed in John chapter 17 so we're going to be picking up that prayer in verse 6 and we're going to read all the way to verse 19 this is God's Word even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and have and not one of them has been lost except for the son of destruction that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them your word, and the world that they also may be sanctified in truth. These are the words of God. Let's go to him now in prayer. O Lord our God, we thank you for this prayer that you have given us through Jesus our Savior, inspired by the Spirit and carried into our hearts by him as we believe. I pray that you would speak, Lord God, for we, your servants, are listening. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Every morning when I sit down to pray, which is most mornings, unless my dog is eating something that she should not be eating, such as the furniture or remote controls or my clothing or the children, sometimes she eats them, I pull out a stack of prayer note cards and I pray through my prayer list. I pray for myself, I pray for my wife, Kate, I pray for my two kids, Lily and Jack, and then I pray for you. Now, I don't pray for each and every one of you each and every day, but I do pray for you. You're all on my prayer list. Now, what's on my prayer list? Many things. I pray for your health, I pray for your happiness, I pray for your kids, I pray for your jobs, I pray for your faith. I pray for your joy. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just light you up inside so that you could really see how amazing Jesus is. Inspired by the book A Praying Life by Paul Miller, I actually write down Bible verses for you. Some of them are about faith. Some of them are about fear. Some of them are about love. Some of them are about joy. And I pray those specific Bible verses over you every time I pray. Beneath the Bible verses, I have a series of bullet points. I pray about things that might seemingly be mundane, things like tennis matches and dance recitals. I pray about future spouses and doctor's appointments future spouses for the kids, not my wife. I want no future spouses for her. I ask God to help the people that I love develop deep friendships and even deeper faith. Now you might be wondering, well how do I get on the prayer list? Do I have to become a member of the church in order to be on the prayer list? Well, come to the new member class On Sunday night, May 22nd, and you will have all of your questions answered. Do I have to be part of your family in order to make the list? Well, it certainly doesn't hurt. Do I have to be dying? Do I have to be divorcing? Does disaster get me on the list? You might also be wondering, can I put anything on your prayer list, Pastor Joel? Can you pray for my marriage? Can you pray for my mortgage? Can you pray for my kids? Of course. Yes, I love kids. I would be happy to pray for your kids. Can, I pray, can you pray for my dog, Pastor Joel? Of course. You know me. I love dogs. I'd be happy to pray for your dog. Can you pray for my cats, Pastor Joel? We do have other pastors. <laughs> uh, I'm sure we can find somebody who would do that for you. Can you pray for the Ukraine? Can you pray for Uganda? Can you pray for the people of Japan? What about the president? What about the governor? What about our senators and our congressmen? And what about the sheriff? And what about the mayor? This is getting to be a long list. Eventually, even pastors have to get to work. I have emails and phone calls and appointments. I can't possibly pray about everything, can I? Here's the question. Who's on Jesus' list? Who does Jesus pray for? Now, you might be thinking, everybody. Jesus prays for everybody. He's Jesus. Why wouldn't Jesus pray for every single person here on earth? And yet, in verse 9, we read this. I'm praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. In other words, not everybody's on his prayer list. How do you get to be on his prayer list? And once you're on the list, do you stay on the list? Does Jesus ever kick anybody off his prayer list? I hope not. Now here's a related question. What's on Jesus' list? Last week we saw that the glory of God is the number one thing on Jesus' prayer list. Before Jesus prays for anything else, he prays for the glory of God. He wants us to see the glory of God. He wants us to savor the glory of God. He wants us to share the glory of God with other people so that the whole world would be filled with the glory of God. But is that the only thing on his list? It's not the only thing on my list. Should it be the only thing on my list? When Jesus prays for us, the people on his list, what specifically does Jesus pray about? This morning we're continuing our series on prayer by looking at part two of Jesus' high priestly prayer, a pray that prayer that Jesus prayed with and for his disciples in an upper room, after eating the Lord's Supper with them, before going to the cross to die for our sins, before rising again in victory over sin and death and hell forever. It's a personal prayer. It's a passionate prayer. It's a powerful prayer. In this prayer, we get a rare glimpse into the inner spiritual life of God as Jesus prays, for his people. In the Lord's prayer, Jesus teaches us how to pray, pray. In the high priestly prayer, we get the chance to listen to Jesus pray. Amazing. So what does the high priestly prayer teach us about who God is, about who we are? What does the high priestly prayer teach us about how we should pray to our heavenly Father? If you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. As we learn to pray like Jesus, I want us to ask two big questions about this section of the prayer. The first is, who's on Jesus' prayer list? The second is, what's on Jesus' prayer list? Who's on the list and what's on the list? Does Jesus pray for everyone? Does Jesus pray about everything? Who should we pray for? what should we pray about? Let's take a closer look. First big question is this. Who is on Jesus's prayer list? Are you on the list? Am I on the list? How do we get on the list? Well, the short answer is God puts us on the list. The longer answer is grace. Grace. God puts us on his prayer list and prays for us every single day, not because we're good, not because we're worthy, not because we've jumped through all the right hoops in order to earn our place on the list. We're on the list simply because God is gracious. Verse 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. For they are yours. Throughout this prayer, we get a sense as Jesus prays that Jesus refers to the people that are on his prayer list as people who have been given to him by God the Father. Now, what does that mean? I think it's helpful to read this prayer in, con- in conjunction with what Paul says in Ephesians 1, verses 3 and 4. In Ephesians 1, verses 3 and 4, Paul tells us that if you believe the gospel, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you have been chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. Before God created the world, before he created the sun and the moon and the stars, before Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day, before any of us had a chance to earn God's love, God loved us and has a plan for our lives. All of our days are written in his book. He chose us to believe, that's in verse 8, and he chose us to obey, that's verse 6. In other words, if you believe everything the Bible says about Jesus, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, the Savior of sinners, the Lamb of God, the Lion of Judah, the true vine, the bread of life, the living water, the door, the way, the truth, and the life, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, our prophet, our priest, our king, if you believe that Jesus is our brother and our teacher and our friend, and if your faith is as big as a mustard seed, which is 99% smaller than any other seed that you will find, if you have that much faith, then congratulations, you're on Jesus's prayer list, and Jesus is praying for you Every single day. If your life has been changed because of Jesus. If you're not the same person that you used to be before you met Jesus. If you're a little bit more patient and a little bit more kind and a little more loving. If you're a little bit more willing to give and to go and to send and to serve. If you are becoming, slowly but surely, little by little, a little bit more like Jesus then Jesus is praying for you. Every single day, while you're praying for other people, Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners, is praying for you. You're on his list. Now, if you're thinking, wow, okay, I guess, based on that, I'm not sure if I'm on Jesus' list. I'm not sure if I believe everything that the Bible says uh, about Jesus. I'm not even sure if I know everything that the Bible says about Jesus. And yes, I'm trying to be a better person, I'm trying to grow, and I'm trying to change, but I still have a lot of sin in my life, I have a lot of struggles, I have a lot of weaknesses, I seem to fall down over and over again. What do I do? Well, the answer is pray. Talk to God. Just a simple prayer saying, Jesus, I want to believe, help my unbelief. And I want to follow you. Give me a new heart that I would love the things that you love and care for the things that you care for. Come to me, Lord Jesus. Redeem me that I might be one of your children adopted into your family by grace through faith in you. My guess is that if, as you pray that prayer more and more, you'll discover that Jesus was praying for you. The whole time. Who's Jesus praying for? Who's on his list? Well, not necessarily the smartest people in the room. Not necessarily the richest people in the room. Not necessarily the most handsome people in the room. I am the exception, not the rule. He's praying for his people. People who have been loved in Christ from before the foundation of the earth. He's praying for you if you believe. Here's the second big question. What's on Jesus' prayer list? Four things. Here are four things that Jesus is praying for you each and every day. Four things that we can and should be praying for one another. The first thing is endurance. Endurance. Verse 11. Holy Father... Keep them in your name. Jesus is praying for our our protection from things that would damage us, from things that would distract us, things that would discourage us. He's praying, Heavenly Father, keep your children in your will. Help your children Finish well. Heavenly Father, get your children across the finish line. Heavenly Father, protect them from bad people and bad choices, deliver them from themselves, deliver them from their sin. Life is hard sometimes. In many ways, it's it's true, even though it's a bit of a cliche, that life is a marathon, not a sprint. It is, in the words of Nietzsche, of all people, a long obedience in the same direction. Simple faithfulness day in and day out as we walk with Christ. And because that's the case, it takes endurance to live the Christian life. It takes endurance to finish well. Sometimes when we're running the race, it feels like we're all alone. Like there's no one else around us as we run this marathon. Sometimes it feels like we want to give up. Sometimes we're tempted to take shortcuts. And sometimes it just feels like we want to cry. That's okay. Jesus is praying for us. Holy Father, keep them in your name. Now, even as that is a prayer that Jesus prays for us, it's also a prayer that we should be praying for other people. Lord, keep my children in the faith. Lord, keep my husband from temptation. Lord, keep my wife away from bitterness and anger or anything in her life that would discourage her from becoming the person who you want her to be. If we pray these prayers together, as the church, we will discover something amazing. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews writes in Hebrews 12, verse 1. He writes, Therefore, since we are surrounded of the throne of god run your race finish well fight the good fight jesus is praying for you and so am i and we're all praying for each other the second thing is unity verse 11 holy father keep them in your name which you have given me that they may be one even as we are one Jesus wants us to get along. Jesus wants us to agree. And when we disagree, he wants us to agree to disagree by being agreeable. Now that's easy to say in theory. It's a lot tougher in practice. Amen? Because we live in a very divided world. A world where seemingly every issue under the sun is an us versus them issue whether it's political issues or social issues or theological issues, name the issue, great or small, and the question is, are you with us or are you with them? Now, if you're with us, if you're on our team, well, then you can say or do whatever you want to do, and it's all excusable because you're on our team. And if you're with them, if you're on the other team, well, then we can say or do anything to you. We can lie about you, we can slander you, we can treat you all terrible ways because the goal is to defeat you because you're one of them. You're on their team, you're the enemy. Now that's the world out there, and of course it's the world out there. What else do we expect? But it should not be the way the world is in here. As Christians, we can disagree with other Christians about a number of things. We can disagree about speaking in tongues or baptism or uh, Calvinism or Arminianism or A-millennialism or postmillennialism or premillennialism or anti-disestablishmentarianism. I made that one up. That's not an issue. But we can disagree without being disagreeable. Whether we are high church or low church or big church or small church, we might even vote for different people. It's okay. Let's talk. In the end, the goal is unity. The goal is harmony. The goal is cooperation. Think about everything that we have in common. We have the most important things in the world in common with one another. Every single person on earth, believer or not believer, is an image bearer of God. And therefore, every single person on earth has dignity and value and worth. Every single person on earth that you will encounter is a unique creation of God, someone who will live forever. We all have the same problem. We are all sinners. We all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. The scripture tells us that no one is righteous, no, not one. Even grandma, even grandma. Why do you think she wins in cards every single time? She's a a cheater. Those are Toll House cookies, everybody. She did not receive that recipe from her great-great-grandmother, okay? I'm just saying. God has given us the same solution to the problem of sin. And that's Jesus, who died on the cross and rose again for us. And by us, I don't mean some unique elite group. I mean every single person from every tribe or people group or race, gender, rich, poor, all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. The gospel is for everyone who believes We sometimes look around at our world and we think, well, surely uh, our world is the worst that it's ever been. I think we all suffer from that uh, to one degree or another. Well, think about the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul lived in a very divided world, and as a church planter, he planted often very divided churches, people who were very strictly divided between Jewish Christians and Gentile Christians who'd come to faith, and there was disputes about which group was receiving uh, charity from the church more than the other, and who is to be preferred, and who is different. And yet that same Apostle Paul reminds us in the book of Ephesians, that the gospel tears down the dividing wall of hostility that separates us from one another. Between racial groups or ethnic groups or people groups or northerners or southerners or you name the division that you can think of, the gospel tears down that dividing wall of hostility. We are one in Christ Jesus. I think Jesus wants us to be a church of many colors. Sort of like the the coat that Joseph wore in in the Old Testament. It's just with people. And I think the more diverse that we are, the more colors we add to our coat, the more beautiful we become as God's people. Jesus prays for unity May we be one, even as God is one. Do you pray for that? Do you pray for that within the church? Do you pray for that within the world? The third thing Jesus prays about is joy. Joy. Verse 13, But now I am coming to you, and these things I speak in the world, that they may have my joy fulfilled in themselves. Jesus wants us to be filled with joy. Jesus wants us to be happy. Never forget that the gospel of Jesus Christ is good news. And if you're not happy about the good news of the gospel, well, maybe you've misunderstood something. Because it truly is the good news that we have everlasting life and meaning and purpose and hope through Jesus in the Holy Spirit. Now, unfortunately, some people, for perhaps uh, nefarious reasons, have sort of distorted that doctrine and have trans- transformed the idea of happiness into having more stuff or never being sick or not having any problems. That's not what, what Jesus is saying. He's, he's talking about something deeper, He's saying, I want to give you something even better than stuff. Even better than health. I want to give you joy. Joy is a state of mind. It's inner peace. It's contentment. It's a a lightness of our spirit that comes from knowing who God is, knowing who we are, and knowing how the story ends. Knowing that in this life we will have trouble Trouble, of course, but also knowing without any doubt in the world, that Jesus has overcome the world. And so if we are in Christ, if we are united to Him by faith, someday we will live in a world where all of the sad things will come untrue. And all of the broken things and broken people and broken systems will be put back together again. And the remarkable thing about this prayer is that Jesus wants us to experience that world, that future world, right here and now. He's praying for our joy. Do you pray for joy? What are some things in your life that are stealing your joy? Now, some of you are thinking, I'm sitting next to him. This guy's stealing my joy, right? That's not what I mean. On sort of a deeper existential level, what are some of the things in your life that are stealing your joy? For me, it's worry. Worry steals my joy. I worry about my kids. I worry about my life. I worry about the future. I worry about the country. I worry about you. And when I worry about things, and I take a step back from God's goodness and sovereignty and control Well, that's the precise moment that I lose my joy. Maybe your job is stealing your joy. Maybe a a teacher at your school is stealing your joy. Or if you're a teacher, maybe a student is stealing your joy. Maybe it's an unexpected expense that is stealing your joy. Or maybe it's me that's stealing your joy. I hope not, but it could happen. Whatever it is, remember that Jesus will always take care of you. Jesus is sovereign. He is in control. He is always there for his people. And in the end, because Jesus wins, it's all going to be okay. Here's the fourth thing. Jesus wants us to be weird. Verse 14 I, am given, I have given them your word, and the world has hated them because they are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. I do not ask that you take them out of the world, but that you keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Jesus wants us to be in the world, but not of the world. He wants us to be weird He wants us to be different. He wants us to be distinct. It's so much better than the alternative, which is normal. Normal is no good. Normal is frustrated. Normal is broke. Normal is angry. Normal is afraid. You don't want that. You don't want to be normal. You want to be weird, Not of this world. Weird is helping your neighbor cut the grass. Weird is inviting someone over for dinner. Weird is chaperoning a youth missions trip for a week, even though you don't have kids in the youth group. I know, weird. Weird is living below your means so that you can be generous. Weird is is reading the bible weird is praying weird is coming to worship weird is a god who loves his enemies weird is a god who forgives sinners when they sin against him time and time and time again weird is a god who loves us enough to tell us the truth the gospel is not normal And we, as God's people, should not be normal. God's people should be weird, strange, different. We are Jackson's Steakhouse people in a Whataburger world. (laughs) Distinct, different, beautiful. Who's on Jesus' prayer list? Well, God's people. Forgiven people, gospel people, everyone who believes. If you believe, if you trust in Christ, then the good news is not only are you forgiven, Jesus is praying for you. What's on the list? Endurance. Jesus wants us to finish well. Unity. He wants us to finish together. Joy. He wants us to glorify Him and enjoy him forever and weirdness too that we might be different and distinct that we might be the aroma of christ in this world so that when people see us they get a tiny little glimpse of jesus and the gospel of his grace do you want that for yourself do you want that for the world Jesus wants it for you. Let's go to him now in prayer. Oh Lord our God, we thank you for this beautiful prayer, for the privilege to eavesdrop as you prayed for the disciples, to hear about the things that you care about. Oh Lord God, we thank you for the gospel, we thank you for your grace. We thank you that you love us so much that you, Lord Jesus, would lay down your life on the cross for everyone who believes. We are truly undeserving of that. But we pray that the gospel of your grace would give us hearts and lives of gratitude that we might live here in this world as your servants. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.